the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Yes, indeed. It's time again for the Larry Rosenthal Show. Another week has gone by, and we're happy to have Larry back with us, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? So far, so good. It's been a good week for me. How about you? Always. It's always a good week, man. Yeah, well, that's good. Good. And then some good news for us to start out our program with today? We've got lots of good news. You know, we start off the show each week with what's going on in the markets and the economy and stuff, and we have a lot on tap for that today. We could dive deep, deep down into it all. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've got some... Uh, after we go through some of these reports here for the next five or ten minutes or so, we're still going to have to come back and be diversified and have a little bit of patience left still. So, and I'll explain exactly what I mean by that. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show here. So, this week in the in the economy, in the in the market news, the U.S. growth GDP came out the other day, and it was a little benign. It, it wasn't quite what people had expected or hoped for. The uh, growth flat, in, huh? in the first quarter was it was statistically flat i would say chris it, it grew by just 0.7 you know the, it was the weakest quarter in, in the last three years and usually sometimes in the first quarter people can say oh well it was a harsh winter it was it was the blame on that <laughs> not so much this time around right but you know when you stop and you take a look at it things ebb and flow and and the re, the definition of a recession is two back-to-back quarters of negative gdp growth so we're we're not there uh, all indications are showing. Well, a lot of indications are showing that, you know, in the second quarter, they're they're looking at GDP to be uh, substantially higher in the three to four percent range. So we'll wait and we'll see how that plays out. But you know, that's one of the biggest, um, uh, I guess, quote unquote, reading of the tea leaves that's out there is taking a look at the overall GDP. And are there the some doomsayers saying that there might be another recession around the corner? We've got a few. There's always doomsayers saying it. I heard one the other day on television. And I won't mention the channel. And I was listening to him talk, and I was just going, where is he getting this information from? Where? And and they just kept letting him talk and talk and talk. But, you know, it, it, it makes for good television, I guess, when you get people talking on one side versus the other. I guess that's what it's all about these days when you, when you, when you get you Playing devil's advocate, I guess. I think so. I think so. But, you know, things are never perfect. When it comes to the investment world, there's always things that aren't quite right or a little off or just not right where you want it to be. But that's just the way the markets and the economy, especially the global economy, really is. That That's just that's just the deal. So um, 
at the end of the day, we're still sitting here looking at three scenarios or, or three big things, and, and that is, you know, what is the Fed going to be doing with interest rates? What about corporate earnings? And then what about fiscal policy, the, the stuff that's coming out of Washington now with, you know, some new pro-growth type policies? So when you take a look at this here, the Federal Reserve, you know, they've sort of forecasted two to three rate hikes this year. And as long as the uh, interest rates don't go up too much too often, it shouldn't choke off the the steam to the economy. You know, the, the Fed has been greasing the wheels uh, or the gears of the economy for quite some time, and they're still, you know, pretty pretty slick and, and, and able to move forward there. And still at Next, historic low interest rates. I mean, so. We are at historic low interest rates, and we need to get interest rates back to a more normalized rate, a little bit higher. But, you know, at the same time, you don't want to get too far over the tips of your skis where you have rates too high too quickly, and it, and it cuts off the steam or the energy or, or takes the wind out of the sails, if you will, of the economy. You can't do that. Next thing is corporate earnings. People buy stock based off the future earnings of a corporation anyway. And when earnings are coming out soft, the economy is kind of sluggish and people are kind of waning uh, in the stock market. But now corporate earnings seem to be coming in a little bit stronger than anticipated, which is good. Um, So that's sort of keeping the markets where they are right now. And then you take a look at fiscal policy. And finally, we got some big news on fiscal policy this week. On Wednesday, April 25th, the Trump administration un- unveiled its new tax plan. And some of the details for individuals. Now, now again, this is just the plan. This is not in place. It has to go through through Congress. So this is just sort of the suggestion out there. So we're starting to see some fiscal movements here um, on on the economy. So they're talking about for individuals reducing the seven tax brackets that we have now down to three, cutting the top rate from 39.6 down to 35 percent, installing a 10, 25, and 35 percent tax bracket. So some people are going to be pretty happy with that and some people maybe not. Uh, They're also talking about doubling the standard deduction. So basically that means for a married couple they are not going to pay any taxes on the first $24,000 of income. That's a big, big change, but it's also going to hurt a little bit on their itemized deductions. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Some people, again, will be happy with that. Some people, not so happy with it. You can't satisfy everybody. But I think one of the missions here is to simplify tax returns and to um, uh, try to generate more commerce by having more uh, by having less taxes, therefore the government will receive more dollars through the velocity of money is what the philosophy seems to be. It's also going to be talking about um, uh, providing relief for families with dependent, uh, with, with child care and dependent care expenses. It's going to repeal the AMT tax, mm. which is the alternative minimum tax, which is something that's just weird anyway. You yeah. know, if you, if you have too many deductions, well, then we're just going to give you the alternative minimum tax that you have to pay. Whichever one's higher, that's the one you have to pay. So for some people, they'll, they'll be very, very pleased with that. It's going to also repeal the estate tax which right now doesn't affect a lot of people, but if you're single and you have an estate over $5.49 million, it'll affect you. For married couples, it's $10.98 million. So, so that's going to go away there. 
Uh, at least that's, you know, these are all different proposals in the package. It will also uh, repeal the 3.8% on the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, mm. uh, for high-income earners. If your income's over a certain amount, you have to pay an extra 3.8% to fund the Obamacare package that was put through. So they're going to repeal that. So that's kind of interesting to me how they're going to talking about repealing that when it's still in place. So where's the money going to come from? Yeah. To to help cover some of that. So we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what, what what's happening with all of this. I so. did hear a uh, piece of good news that they were planning on keeping the um, the mortgage interest deduction. Uh, that's Yes, to as a matter of fact, that's here on my list that they, they are not going to uh, uh, touch the mortgage interest deduction or um, charitable giving. That's awesome. Yeah, which is a very good thing. But, you know, if you stop and think about it, though, if you have a mortgage – and and let's say the balance is two fifty or or whatever it may be, the interest on that with the with now the ability to double your standard deduction, you may not be able to claim the mortgage interest on that. So it's 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 kind of moving your deductions from one column to another. So you're gonna have to just sort of see. Some people will be happy with it, some won't, you know. And and again, these are just proposals. It was just thrown out there. And it's not it's not in the deal yet, but they have to you know these are the things that they're that they're looking at at, at doing. Uh, it also talks about eliminating the uh, deduction for uh, state income taxes and local taxes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to your point, mortgage interest and charitable giving that's a good thing to to be able to still continue to keep. That's sort of on the individual side. For the businesses, talking about reducing. The corporate tax rate from 35% down to 15%, which is a big, big movement. And the tax cuts. Stimulate some of the young businesses a little bit. It will. This tax cut's going to apply to corporations, small businesses, large owner operated conglomerates as well. And it's going to be, there's going to be sort of a shift to territorial tax system of, of taxation. In other words, taxation of income within one's borders. Countries around the world are going to have to embrace, you know, that, that as well. So, one of the interesting things here, too, is that it's going to include a one-time special tax enti- to entice companies to repatriate trillions of dollars that are held overseas. And so, you know, that's going to be an interesting scenario. At the end of the day, this is one of the three legs of the stool that we've been waiting for and watching for. Again, what is the Federal Reserve doing? How about corporate earnings? These two things we've we've seen. They've been telecasted already. We're in the middle of earnings season right now for the first quarter, January, February, and March. The corporations report their earnings in April and May. And then what's fiscal policy doing? So we're starting to see some of the fiscal policy changes come out. At the end of the day here, right now, you don't want to make trades on any of this news because it's just news. It's not fact just yet, you know, in, in any market. No matter what's happening with the Fed, with corporate earnings, with fiscal policy, in any market, any economy, we still believe that we need to stay focused and diversified and, and make sure that your, your accounts are aligned with your risk tolerance and your, in, in your growth and or income objectives. So at the end of the day here, we're starting, you know, as, as the calendar keeps flipping forward, we're starting to get more and more economic data and fiscal data that's coming out, which is going to paint the picture for where we should 
run to with our investments or run away from with the, with our investments. So stay tuned, and we'll see more as this stuff unfolds. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. That's sort of the week in review, if you would. Let's open up the phone lines. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. If you'd like to chime in on some of the tax proposals that are coming out of Washington right now, let me hear your thoughts. 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Hi, this is Norm Allen from the American Lifestyle Media Network on Roku and on Web TV. You know, America has always been the home of the brave, especially in business where stepping out to create business and services is a bold move. American Lifestyle Media is one of those ventures. We provide Internet streaming programming on Web TV and Roku and all devices. You can subscribe today and be informed and inspired on the Out of the Norm Show. Expedition Texas, Young Country, Built on the Blues, and Freedom of Thought. It's television programming designed for you and your family. Just go to watch.americanlifestylemedia.com. That's watch.americanlifestylemedia.com. We hope you'll take advantage of our special 99 cent per month introductory offer only for a limited time. American Lifestyle Media. We're caretakers of the American spirit. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. Larry. Absolutely, Chris. Let's just jump right into this. So, you know, we're we're talking about all the tax tax proposals that are coming out of Washington, and you've heard me talk many, many times on television, on in the radio, in my seminars about asset allocation. I just talked about it at the top of the show. Make sure you're well diversified, stay focused. So, we've talked in the past about asset allocation, about product allocation, having different products. You know, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, whatever it is inside your portfolio. We've also talked about tax allocation. What's the most expensive thing inside your investments? And it's taxes. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, just want to remind people, because of all the tax proposals that we're hearing coming out of Washington now, which I think is a good thing, um, you know, to, to make some changes to simplify things. Now, the great debate is going to be some people are going to say lower taxes, some people are going to say raise taxes. Here's the deal. No matter what Congress does with taxes going forward, this is my point, we have to recognize that they look at our money through four different tax lenses. When you start to save money, you're saving money in four different tax systems, okay? The first tax bucket is what we call taxable money. So each year that your money grows, you're paying taxes on that money. 
you know, suppose you have money that's, that you get that little 1099 at the end of the year, right? We've all just gotten those in the last several weeks and filed our taxes with them. And, and you, you're paying taxes on the interest that you receive. So maybe you have a stock, XYZ stock, and it pays you $1,000 a year in dividend interest. Now you have to pay taxes on that, right? So that's taxable. In other words, you have money in a taxable bucket or, or money that's sitting in your bank account. You get that little bit of interest each year. You have to pay taxes on that. So the first bucket of money that we have to understand that we're growing our dollars in is taxable. Each year that it grows, we pay some tax on some of the money. Then the next bucket that we have is tax deductible and tax deferred. This is where we as Americans have saved the majority of our money, which is a good thing, by the way. In our 401K plans, the government TSP plan, 403B plan, SEPs, simple plans, solo 401Ks, here the money goes into the investment plan. And as we're putting the money in, we receive a tax deduction. In other words, we get a write-off on our taxes. If we, if, if we make $70,000 a year and we put in $5,000, we're only taxed on $65,000 that year. That 5000 goes in tax deductible. And while it's in the plan growing, there are no taxes on it. You can move the money around in different investments inside the plan and pay no capital gains tax. It's all tax-deferred. All activity in the account is tax-deferred. Until one day when you pull the money out, then you have to pay taxes on it. So the second bucket of money is tax deductible and grows tax deferred. Two buckets so far, taxable each year that it grows, then tax deductible and deferred while it's growing. The third bucket of money is sort of the one that's unused a lot, and that is a non-deductible investment, but it grows tax deferred. Maybe you make a contribution to an IRA, but your income's too high, and you cannot write it off on your taxes. That's still okay because the growth in the account is going to grow tax-deferred. In other words, you don't get a tax deduction to put it in, but you get your earnings that's inside the account. You don't pay taxes on it until one day down the road when you pull it out. Or possibly you put money into an annuity where there's no deduction to go in, but the, the, the rules around an annuity is the money grows tax-deferred, okay? Then the fourth bucket of money is tax-exempt or tax-free income. Yay! How many of us want all tax-free income, right? <laughs> Hello. Exactly. We all want it when we get into retirement, okay? So, so my point is here, and, and tax-exempt or tax-free income would be contributions to a Roth IRA or a municipal bond tax-free interest. Now, here's the story on this. If I had a dollar to invest, I would put a quarter in each tax system so that I have my taxes diversified. And this is the great debate in my industry. Some people will say, you know, no, Larry, no. Put all of your money in the pre-tax side. Because you get your tax deduction today, and no one can ever take it back away from you again. And I understand that, and I agree with that. On the other hand, people say, well, wait a minute. I think taxes are going to go up over the next 35, 40 years. I want to make sure that I have as much tax-free income in my retirement years, especially with things leaning towards mean testing on Medicare premiums and Social Security income. But yet that's another story, okay? But they want to have more tax-free money during their retirement years. So they want to put money post-tax or on the Roth side. So the great debate is this. If I marched 100 financial advisors in here into the studio from across the country, the first third are going to tell you put it all pre-tax. The second third are going to tell you put it all post-tax. 
and I'm in the middle. I want money on both sides of the tax equation. I want money that receives a tax deduction today and then grows tax deferred and is taxable when you pull it out. And I also want money that doesn't get a deduction today but comes out tax-free after it's been growing deferred all the years. So I want money to be balanced from a tax perspective. You don't want a lot, do you, though, Larry? <laughs> I do want a lot, Chris. That's exactly right. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it comes to allocation. And, and, you know, proof is in the pudding here when, when you're sitting down, when I'm sitting down working with clients who have for years and years and years saved their money all on the pre-tax side. Well, they've loved the tax deduction going in, but they're not liking the taxable income when it's coming out now. You know, recently I had a client who had who they, they, they came to us a few years ago, and now they're retiring, and, and they were talking about, you know, they have very little mortgage interest left on their home, okay, and most of their money, when they pull it out, has never been taxed before. So they don't have any write-off to, to offset it, and it's jacking up their Medicare premiums and, and all kinds of things. So... So that's how important looking down the road and sort of around the corner it is a little bit with the tax diversification strategy. So three things here. We've talked about asset allocation in the past. We've talked about product diversification, making sure that your investments have different types of investments. And then we're going to touch on that later in the show this morning. And then talking about tax allocation strategies. You're going to hear more and more about this as these tax changes come through from the Trump administration. If they're lowering taxes, then people are going to start arguing, hey, pay more tax today. You know, um, don't use tax-deferred vehicles as much. Okay? But remember, the tax code is going to change up and down and expand and contract for many, many years to come with different economies, different administrations down the road as well. So, so make sure that you sort of stay in tune with understanding the four different tax buckets so that you can always have tax-efficient investing and tax-efficient income for you and your heirs during retirements and inheritance time down the road. So lots of stuff said there, Chris, but uh, it's very important. You'd be surprised how much taxes impede some of the dollars inside your investment. Uh, the big accounts. T word for sure, yeah. It is, definitely. So, hey, give us a ring here, 855-ROSE-123, if you want to jump in on the tax conversation this morning or anything in your mind for that matter. You know, interest rates are looking to go up a little bit. What about your mortgage refinance? Are we doing okay with our debt? Are we saving enough for retirement planning? Visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Check out the video there on how to build a properly structured financial plan for you and your family. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855 855- Seven six seven three one two three. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more of your making money sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. 
This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. If you're wondering how this is going to, these new tax changes or proposed tax changes or any of the things that are happening in the news are going to affect your portfolio, why don't you call and ask? Larry will answer those questions for you. Again, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Larry? You know, Chris, we also have to keep it real, too, and understand, you know, how, how, well, how the Lord plays a role in our in our money and, and how money plays a role in our relationship with the Lord, right? Well, certainly how he should if we are you know, keeping our perspective right, including him in all of our decisions. True. So if you stop and break it down, you know, the, the, we have two economic systems that operate in the world. We have God's economy and then basically economies that people invent, right? And, and in Isaiah 55, 8, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Okay, And so the Bible goes on and talks about money over 2,350 times. It's a lot. Yeah. Jesus talked about money a lot in the New Testament. Okay, How we handle our money influences our fellowship with the Lord. You know, Jesus uh, e- equates how we handle our money with the, the quality of our spiritual life. In Luke six eleven, he says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of worldly wealth, who will entrust you with, with, uh, riches, with true riches to you? You know, so how we handle our money properly according to, to the principles of Scripture, you know, could help us to grow closer to Christ, understanding that it's all his anyway, right? And, and when you stop and, and break this down, how do we handle our money influences our relationship with the Lord? Possessions compete with the Lord for first place in our life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, so money drives a lot of profe- uh, um, uh, possessions and things. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money at the same time. That's in Matthew six twenty four. And then the th- third area here is much of our life revolves around the use of money. You know, uh, during the week, we, we go out and we try to make money, right? We go to our jobs and we earn money and we and we pay for things and we do all that kind of stuff. And we have to stop and keep a sort of an internal perspective. I'm sorry, an eternal, not internal, an eternal perspective mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on who owns it and what we're trying to do. The Bible's pretty clear as to, you know, uh, work unto the Lord in, in all that we do. That means managing our dollars, spending our dollars, you know. Let's start talking about, you know, praying to the Lord and asking him, you know, how do we give? How do you want us to give? 
rather than saying, you know, everything's cool, but I can handle my own money decisions. No, 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 not at all. We need to start thinking about turning it all over. The Lord's blessed a lot of people with a lot of assets and a lot of means. And bottom line here is we just need to, you know, continue to understand and focus daily whose assets these are. Well, you know, it's interesting, Larry, because in the in Matthew as well, in uh, 633, it talks about where we need to focus first. If we focus on the Lord first, then he just gives us all these other things. He adds everything back unto us. It's, it's where we put our focus first that I think is really important. Sometimes our priorities are, well, I need to do this and I need to do that. But if you focus on the Lord, a lot of those priorities just kind of fall in place. Well, that's true. That That is true. And, and you know, it's very it, you have to be disciplined too, not to drop into you know quote unquote the prosperity gospel. Yes, you indeed. know that's true. And uh, you know we're going to be talking more about this in the coming weeks. Uh, I've asked uh, Pastor Denny to put together some information, uh, you know, or put together a sermon on all of this. So you know, sort of stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. He told me he's going to start working on yeah, it. That'll be great. It it definitely will be. So uh, he's a good friend of the show. So anyway, hey, let's turn back to, you know, our economy and our markets and stuff. Right. And understand stewardship principles and and how to minimize risk when the market's at a high the way it is right now. You know, Nasdaq's pumping out new highs and, and the S&P's almost there again. The same with the Dow. So so what's going to happen if you wanted to put in new money into the market? I get this question a lot. It's a very interesting question. It's a well thought out question. How to enter this market now with the market at new highs? Well, do you just go ahead and say, you know what? I think the market's going to be higher this time next year anyway, so I'm just going to put my lump sum in and let it go. Well, that's one way to do it, right? And there's nothing wrong with that if you're correct that the market's higher this time next year. Another way that you can look at doing it is just saying, I'm going to do some market timing. I'm going to buy on dips. In other words, I'm going to wait for the market to pull back 2, 3, 5, 8%, whatever it is, and then I'm going to put the money in. What happens if it doesn't do that? What happens if this is a new floor of the market and it moves up 10% as an example, and then it bounces around up there, but not down here? That could happen, couldn't it? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the train left the station and you're not on it. So, so that is an issue, too, how to enter this market, how to enter the market in all-time highs, lump sum, only buy on dips, or only do dollar cost averaging. So dollar cost averaging, you take the same amount of money each month, each week, each interval, whatever it may be, and put it into the market and put it into your selected investments regardless of the price of those investments on the day you're going to make the investment. So over time, you're going to get the average price per dollar invested. That's hence the term dollar cost averaging. Fourth way to do it is to do dollar cost averaging and buy on dips. Now you're going to get the best of both worlds. So now you say, okay, I've got this money set aside, and I want to bleed it into the market. I want to systematically move it into the market over time. So you take the money. Let's let's just do it by twelfths. Let's say you're going to take the, uh, one twelfth of your money each month and put it into the market each month. Say on the fifteenth of the month, regardless of the price of the market that day, you're going to buy. You know, uh, let's uh, you know one twelfth of whatever pile of money you're saved, you've saved, and you want to put it into the market on the fifteenth. And then the following month, let's suppose the market pulls back. Uh, three or four percent, and you go, wow, you know, my I, the my last month's money, I just lost some of the money, but you only lost it on paper. But now your next month's money has an opportunity to go in at a cheaper price, 
and you can get more shares. So now all of a sudden you can say, well, I'm going to continue doing my dollar cost averaging every month, but since the market's temporarily pulled back, I'm going to go ahead and buy on this dip, throw some more money into it. Kind of a combination of both Stuff's scenarios. Stuff's on sale kind of a scenario, you know? That's exactly correct, Chris. Stuff is on sale during those time periods. And, and so it's, it's scary and it's hard emotionally to do, but people make money in down markets. People don't make money in up markets like this. People make money in down markets when they say, okay, the market's down. Why is it down? I'm going to go ahead and make a buy right now, that type of scenario. So, so that's how – that's sort of the key to investing new money today into the market. And the good news about this is many, many of us are saving money systematically every paycheck in the government TSP, our 401K plans, 403B plans, whatever it may be, where the employer is pulling money out each and every pay period and it's going into the marketplace. That's called dollar cost averaging right there. So you're automatically doing that which is a very, very good thing. So four different ways there to actually enter the market now without using any option tricks or anything, just keeping it simple right there. It's a little less scary to do it like that as well because if it's the same amount of money, to you, you're not really losing anything more than you would otherwise, but you might just be getting something on sale. So, Well, that's true, You and you will get things on sale. Some months you're going to buy more shares because the market's slightly down that month, and some months you're going to buy less shares because the market's slightly up that month. And that's, that's okay. the whole premise. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. That's the whole premise of dollar cost averaging, is continuing to put the, the same amount of money in each month. I do it myself. You know, th- this is this is this is. Uh, you're expecting to lose that kind of money every month. It's just not. It's just not calculated into your cash flow. You just that's your savings, right? You just do that. So. Well, yeah, when, when you're, you're saving money every month in, through your retirement plans or your non-retirement plans, whatever it may be, that's what you want to try to be doing is to, is to do the dollar cost average. It's not going to insure you against losses, and it's not going to insure you the best rate of return, but it will give you the best opportunity for the average price of the securities that you're purchasing each and every month by doing the dollar cost averaging over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole key to it. Uh, in, in, in markets such as this when the market's high, because I'm getting that question a lot from investors. You know, Larry, I'm, you know, I've got some money, and, and I'm, I'm sort of afraid. How do I put it in? What do I do? And these are the types of things that, that people go about doing in marketplaces, in, in markets such, such as this. And then on the other side, if the market was very low, which I'm glad it's not, and we're all glad it's not, but if the market was very, very low, the conversation would be a little different. Oh, I'm not putting my money in there now. It's too low. You know, it's bad. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why it's never perfect. Remember I talked about the top of the show, Chris? It's never a perfect scenario to invest in, in the markets. But the key is you got to keep on you got to keep on doing it. And, and the reason why is – we have to understand sort of a line in the sand, the difference between what's called loanership and ownership dollars. When we invest in in investment, when we invest in investment vehicles, how's that sound? <laughs> when we invest in things or products, whatever it is, the the rate of return needs to outpace taxes and inflation and investment fees, those three things. And so when you're investing and you're getting a historical return of, of 5 6% or so, things like that, you're usually not going to be able to outpace taxes and inflation and fees long-term in your portfolio. So when you're investing in, in bank accounts, CDs, bonds, 
government bonds, things like that, corporate bonds, those are usually termed loanership dollars because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're saying, hey, XYZ company, I'm going to give you $10,000, and, and over the next 10 years, you're going to pay me you know, 3% interest and then give me back my principal if you're still in business. That's sort of a bond, and, and you're basically essentially loaning money to that entity. And when you have loanership investments, there they they there's not as much um, risk going up and down in the marketplace. But on the other side of the risk coin, the risk is not maintaining purchasing power. So that's why you need to have a combination of equities, because they traditionally will will return a little bit higher than the bonds will. So you need to have a nice balanced mix between everything. You know, when you meet with your financial advisor. Uh, every year, you know, ask him or her to redo your risk tolerance questionnaire. You know, just because you, you sat down with your advisor, I don't know, eight, ten years ago and filled out your investment forms and did all that stuff, well, your view of the world, your view of risk, your view of, of assets and liabilities and your goals may have been a lot different than they are today. So periodically, we do this with our clients where we'll, we will redo a risk questionnaire with them and find out exactly what their risk, you know, level or their risk temperature is these days. Typically, and, as you get older, that goes down a little bit. I mean, you, you, you become more risk adverse, right, as you get older? Yes, people become more risk averse when they get older. But I also see some people wanting to take more risk when they get older because they want to grow their money faster. More quickly, yeah. Yes, mm. yes, which is not always the best attitude to do <laughs> from that standpoint, you know. But I, I would tell you this, though, that that over the years, over the decades of doing this with clients all across America, one thing is consistent, and that is clients that, that live within their means throughout their life have a much easier role into retirement. They can move into retirement much more easy and, and enjoy uh, a much less financially stressful retirement rather than carrying in a lot of unnecessary why, debt. Why do you think that it's just because of the, they've developed these habits over time and, and the disciplines that are required uh, from the very beginning, and then when they retire, they don't have to redevelop all these new disciplines? Is that kind of... Yes, Chris, it's called behavioral finance. You know, behavioral finance, stop and think about this. You know, no no matter, just, just think to yourself real quick about yourself, your your wife, your family situation. You go to the store, pick a store. I don't know what store it is, the hardware store, the grocery store, whatever it may be, okay? And you go in there and you say, all right, well, we're going to go in there and we're going to buy some, some food for the barbecue this weekend. And you go in there and you see... You know, uh, the steaks are on sale or whatever. And you might, you know what, I, I think we'll have some steaks this weekend. Okay, they're on sale, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And then and then all of a sudden. Um, You're making me uh, hungry here, Larry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can see Bob licking his chops back there. We're real bad about this. It's a, there are steaks on sale. We're buying oh, them. I know. It's a food gig here. We are foodies. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. We are foodies. So so when when now suppose you you were to come into some money suppose you won the lottery or or received an inheritance or got a bonus at work or something like that and you went in and you said all right we're going to have a barbecue this weekend again and 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 you go in there and steaks are not on sale but but uh, ribs are or whatever your behavioral finance is going to say well I don't really see a great value in the steaks I'm going to get ribs this weekend and my point is that people usually don't change their behavioral finance whether they, they have a lot more money or a lot less money, they will continue with their same behavioral finance, which 
is perfectly fine. I do it too. I have my own behavioral finance. I'll look at something and go, uh, no, I'm not going to buy that this month. I'll wait till next month when it goes on sale, right? Yeah. And and everybody pretty much does that. So when you carry in, when you understand what your behavioral finance is, as a financial advisor, when I'm able to understand people's behavioral finance, how they've been raised about money, you know, some of the questions that I ask to ask the clients sometimes from time to time is, you know, who's been the greatest influence on money in your life? Where did you get your education on, on how to manage money? Mm-hmm. What are your understandings in the market? Do you really understand compound interest? Do you really understand tax deferral? You know, on an overall rating, you know, stop and ask yourself these questions. Are, do you have limited knowledge? Do you have basic knowledge? Do you have vast knowledge? What is your knowledge experience when it comes to making investment decisions? Not necessarily, not necessarily buying XYZ stock or ABC stock, but making investment decisions from a financial planning perspective. You know, how do you sit down and analyze, should I take Social Security at 62, 63, 64, whatever it may be? some of the largest financial decisions in your life like that. So stop and think about these questions. Hey, give us a ring here. Let's open up the lines again. Oh, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. If you want to get a copy of our financial planning toolkit, be happy to send that out to you this weekend as well. They're free, and they will give you the ability to start building out your own financial plan. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around 500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 703- 201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, we've got some lines available for you to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, 855 767 3123, that's 855 Rose 123. Go ahead and call Larry right now with any of those questions that you have. Uh, just as quickly, while, uh, while uh, Bob's picking up some of these calls, uh, I have a couple of questions on behavioral finance when it comes to those kinds of things. Should you take a list to the store? Should you take somebody with you if you need to develop some better habits in that way? You know, would that help or maybe not help? Depends on who you take with you, I guess. I don't know. Um, 
I, I guess it depends on on how old you are and what you're trying to do. You know, you're talking about a grocery list. Well, like an yeah, example, if we go to if we if we know we need something at the store, so we go to the store for that purpose. Instead of being swayed by a lot of these impulse, uh, you know, sales that are there, maybe it's best we stick to our list and then go home. That way, we don't end up spending money that we really didn't need to spend anyway. Just just a thought. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean. You know, there are some people that that do that. There's some people that that have their list. They go into the grocery store, they buy what's on the list, and not one thing more or less. There's other people that go into the list and come out with a whole different basket of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know. So and if you shop with your spouse, sometimes you keep each other in check, and you don't end up buying a lot of stuff that you don't need too. So. Yes, and that's another story here. So, but, you <laughs> we'll, know. We'll stay, we'll stay. You don't want to talk about that one, eh, Larry? Is there something we should know? No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Uh, apparently, I shop wrong, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it's all good though. It, it you know it, the the behavioral finance. It's a lot bigger than than people realize, and it and it's true. And and there's no right or wrong. It's just how people manage and spend their money. It's where they put their priorities and how they manage and spend it. That that's all. And it's important to understand that when you're building out a financial plan, when you're working with clients and things. And and if your advisor's not talking to you about behavioral finance and and things like that, you know, what? how are you going to react if the market were to go up really, really quick? Do you want to sell and wait for it to come back down again? How would you react if the market dropped really quick, on, on you know, unexpectedly? You know, we've had seven pretty major pullbacks mm. in the last six years. Wow. So the market in 2010, meaning the S&P 500, was around 1180 or so. Today it's at you know twenty three hundred or somewhere in that area, but along the last six years we've had seven major pullbacks. We've had a pullback of nineteen percent, a pullback of twelve percent. You know, major major pullbacks. And so, how do you react during those periods of time? That's that's behavioral finance when it comes to your investments. Do you just not pay attention and just hold on, or are you close enough to retire for those about to retire? You know, what are you going to be doing during those periods of time? Are, is your portfolio set up to handle, to deflect a lot of the downside risk and potential of loss there? You know, and remember, once you once money starts coming out of your retirement plans or, or, or you start pulling money out of your savings and investments to live off of, the rules of money really, really change when it comes to everything like that. So when you're starting to withdraw. So I want to do a section here on uh, there's, there's a song about uh, – uh, for those about to rock or something like that. Uh, but uh, so now we're going to be talking about for those who are about to retire, <laughs> right? For those who are about to retire. Which for some people, maybe, you know, it's kind of, kind of the same thing. It's time for us to have fun now. Yep. So think about this. So eight, ten years ago, oh, longer than that, 12 years ago, the current tax scenarios were put in place, right? Mm-hmm. 12 years ago, current tax scenarios were put in place pretty much. 12 years ago, you were 12 years younger. So that 50-year-old 12 years ago is now 62 for those about to retire. Are the pending tax changes going to change how your your current investments will be able to produce income for you or not? When some of these tax changes go through, are your current investments that you have now going to be aligned properly for your objectives from a tax perspective 12 years later down the road see there's three phases of financial planning accumulation then distribution then legacy planning so let's focus on the distribution part real quick which is now you're close to or already in retirement 
And your money that you've been growing for so long has been in the growth mode. Grow, grow, grow. Now your money needs to grow and produce income at the same time, right, Chris? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To maintain your standard of living and your purchasing power. So stop and think about this. The investments that have brought you to where you are now, are they designed to give you the growth and income that you need? And by the way, are you going to be able to receive income from your investments in retirement without selling any or selling just a few shares? In other words, are, are your investments designed to infuse cash into your portfolios so that you're not selling off shares of ownership? Yeah, there's a lot of people that probably don't understand that concept at all, that the fact is that you may not have to dip into your bottom line. You may just be able to live off the profits of your investments. And That's my point. That's where we need to advance this conversation to. Yeah. A lot of people do not understand this because they move from one phase of financial planning to the next phase, and that is the accumulation phase into the distribution phase. So here's how it works. So let's suppose you have, you, let's suppose that you have a, uh, a growth mutual fund. Everybody's got a growth mutual fund out there. And let's suppose you you have the greatest growth mutual fund out there, okay? And now that mutual fund has, uh, let, let's say, I don't know, let's suppose that inside that mutual fund there's 2,000 shares of that mutual fund, okay? And it might be worth half a million dollars, whatever, but there's 2,000 shares of it. Now, let's suppose since it's a growth mutual fund, it has a very, very low dividend, Let's suppose it has a 1% a dividend, okay? So that might pay you $5,000 a year. Well, that's not a lot to live off of, is it? Okay. So now what you're going to have to do to pull money out of that mutual fund is you're going to have to sell shares. So suppose you sold, I don't know, 100 shares each month in order to get the income, the money, the physical dollars that you need out. Well, the mutual fund is going to be paying, going to reinvest back its dividends and capital gains, but not enough so that you can't live off of it. In other words, it was a growth-oriented investment, and now you're having to sell shares, sell the ownership. And here's where the danger comes in, Chris, is when the market goes sideways or doesn't grow for a while or goes down, now you're selling off shares of ownership versus having your money in a growth and income position where it's designed to kick out a higher dividend rate so that you can live off the interest without selling as many or or no shares of your investments at all. Make sense? Yes. That way you can continue to keep the ownership of your shares because the acquisition and the ownership and maintaining ownership of shares is what's going to carry your principal through uh, to end of life. you got to dig through the fine print of the prospectus to find this dividend information, though, right? It's not that easy to... Well, just stop for a moment. It, it, it's, it just, it, it's, it's not that hard. It okay. just takes a couple of seconds to find out what the yield or the dividend rate, as you call it, is on the mutual fund in this example. You know, but, and, and ETFs have become one of the most popular investments out there. And there's not a lot of them that pay high dividend yields mm -hmm. on, on them. So you have to look, you have to be investing with the end in mind, you know, sort of like when we're managing our dollars, we need to keep an, a, a, uh, uh, an eternal perspective on managing our investments from a biblical point of view, right? Mm -hmm. Now we need, when we're managing our investments, we need to keep the end result in mind. 
be saving in, in some of your investments as a design to produce income for you down the road. Not all of it growth right now. You need a combination of both of these scenarios. When it when it comes when the, when the you know where the rubber meets the road when it boils right down to it that's that's the scenario there so so you have to stop and, and really take a look at how much yield we're getting off of but going back to your question there about the prospectus is you know the S and P five hundred has a yield of about two point three percent right now hmm. so you can compare that with everything so if you've got a stock and 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 bonds and investments and mutual funds and ETFs and your overall dividend yield is below two point three well then you know you're yielding below the S and P five if it's above, you're yielding above that. So again, you want to try to to you know, and, and there's several ways that you can that you can infuse cash into your portfolios in retirement to live off of, without selling out any shares. These are the types of questions you need to be asking your financial advisor about. If you want to get some information on this, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. be happy to send you out some literature on it, or you can go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot us off an email. When we get off the air, that, that phone number flips right over to our office line, 800-855-ROSE-123. We'll be happy to take your voice message and get back with you next week on it as well. So, I was just uh, going to ask you, Larry, with some of these uh, tools that you're using to infuse income, there's also like annuities and some of these other products, too, that will allow you to have another stream, right, coming in? Yes, an annuity is a, is a lifelong stream of income that you cannot outlive. And some of them will, will vary with the markets as they go up and down to help you outpace uh, against taxes and inflation. Some of them will be fixed. So a lot of it is dependent on, you know, you stop and you build your income portfolio for retirement, Chris. So stop and think about this. You know, if you, if you need, just to do math easy, let's suppose you need $7,000 a month to live off of. Well, let's suppose Social Security is going to give you two. Let's suppose that you have a, a pension that's going to give you one. So so now you've got 3000 of the seven. So now you're 4000 in the hole, right? Yeah. So now you take a look at all of your investments. And, and to your question here, you can say, well, if I put X amount of dollars into an annuity, maybe that will give me 5000 a month or, 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 or take me up to, to 5000 a month. So now you've got the rest of your buckets of money, and you only are at risk of the markets on $2,000 a month. So when you stop and you and you do the math, you know only twenty eight percent of your retirement income is subject to market pressures when you build it out that way. Make sense? And now if you can say, okay, now I'm going to have the other buckets of my money give me income from dividends and interest. Let's say that gives you a thousand dollars a month, right? So now you've got six thousand of the seven thousand that you need. So now really only 14% of your retirement income is going to be subject to market fluctuations up and down. Nice. Kind of makes sense when you go when you go and build it that way. And a lot of people don't understand that and it's one of the very uh it's a very very important way to go about building your retirement income stream uh so that you don't run out of dollars down the road. So Again, it's it's a pretty simple scenario, pretty simple conversation, but over the radio, it might be hard to picture or envision it. You know, I just see a lot of different streams of income coming in from different sources to kind of balance you out to have the money you need. Well, that's correct, and a lot of people don't understand how to get that done during the retirement years, and so that's one of the things that we we teach people. And our financial planning toolkit will will help send you down the road. I know we had people calling in. 
uh, asking up, yeah. for the toolkit, be be happy to do that. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three or eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Uh, do we have time for a quick break, or should we just? We actually here? don't. We're actually uh, coming down to the very end of the program right now. So, okay. My timer was just a few seconds <laughs> off. There we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, um, you know, we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. We'll be moving into May next week, May six. You can catch me here with another session of Making Money Sense. In addition to that, on May tenth at Chapel Springs in Bristow, Virginia, I'll be doing a a two-part seminar, a biblically-based financial planning seminar that day. Contact Chapel Springs out there if you want to come on out. There's no cost for the, the seminar. Uh, there's a class at 1030 to 1230, and then again from 5 to 7. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.